Okay, hello everybody. This is Here Comes the Spider Cast number 21, the podcast that reviews 1980s Spidey comics. This is your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we are going to be looking at Spider-Man comics from February of 1982. Uh, we're going to start off with Amazing Spider-Man number 225, then we're going to move over to Marvel Team-Up number uh, 114, and then we're going to finish things off with The Spectacular Spider-Man uh, number 63, or Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, that is. Right. And for starters, we've got Amazing Spider-Man, which, uh, as we've mentioned before, is the second regular issue by Roger Stern on the series. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we're going to talk about here is the cover. Uh, on the cover here is a character named the Fool Killer. Now, have you ever heard of the Fool Killer before this week? No. And to be honest, I hope I never hear about him again. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing, Kay, is when I was younger, I came across him in the Marvel Universe, you know, the character guide. And I always thought that maybe, you know, sometimes comic book characters are like literary references, like Sin Eater or uh, Ozymandias. You know, it's a reference right. to some character in history. Or, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, what could Fool Killer be a reference to? Nothing. He just kills fools. Yeah, he, he decides who he thinks is who he thinks are fools and then kills them. He doesn't really have much rhyme or reason right. uh, to like who he's choosing. Um, they kind of try to give him a reason for the one death, like the, the his professor right. is not, I can't remember, is he not giving him like the grades he wants or he's not like... I think so, yeah, some, I can't Something remember. like that. <laughs> is there a reason why he kills the two guys at the beginning that are robbing the bank? I guess because they're robbing the bank. So yes. he's like a vigilante kind of guy, but yeah, he's he, also he, killing people he, he just doesn't like? I, I don't know. He kind of exp explains it a little bit later, but the thing is, is I got to point out, I didn't do any research. This is all from memory, but Fool Killer was created by Steve Gerber. Okay. Who created Howard the Duck. Okay. Okay, so, but I first came across him as the head story editor and writer of the G.I. Joe animated series from the 80s. Are you familiar with that show? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I love it with all my heart. Okay. And one of the things that made that show stand out was it had a sometimes had a very bizarre sense of humor, which I can only assume came from Steve Gerber because I've read his Howard the Duck and his Man Thing and his <laughs> other right. stuff. And he has a very specific sense of humor. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But if you do, you do. But it's usually satirical. It's sort of uh, criticizing, you know, materialism and uh, certain parts of society and certain types of people. And so that is where the character comes from. That's where the idea comes from. However, okay. having read the Fool Killer 10-issue miniseries, I can say that this depiction of Fool Killer is not quite as biting and as funny okay. and as interesting as the one by Steve Gerber. Because obviously this is Roger Stern, who is a good writer in his own right, but he didn't create the character. So I think it's one of those things where, just like the problem we had with the Howard the Duck story is that it seems like only steve gerber can handle the characters that he creates okay Other that makes sense yeah so with, with that context it's a little bit more understandable why i didn't connect with this comic as much because i have never heard of this character um <clears throat> and like i think even when you were telling me the bat like a little bit more of the character i still wasn't really getting it but once you told me uh his connections with, with Howard the Duck and his kind of like sense of humor and kind of that right. like twisted weird character, it kind yes. of makes sense and is clicking now. So 
Yeah, so um, let's get into this. So we sure. got the story here, Fools Like Us, okay? And we've got, again, classic John Romita Jr. and um, Bob Wyasic on art. Uh, you know, I've decided this month that I don't think Bob Wyasic's as good an inker as Jim Mooney. I really miss Jim Mooney. No, I yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But um, so we get kind of a typical opening for, you know, a superhero story. We've got two guys in an alley here. And uh, they're kind of plotting out um, something, but then it turns out they're actually, um, it turns out that they've got this um, letter from the fool killer who's told them to meet him somewhere. Right. And so they're trying to figure out how to prepare for this guy. Like, I guess they're not really that scared, but they're definitely cautious. But then out of the blue, one of them gets obliterated and turned into a pile of ash, right? Right. And then the other one tries to get away, and then he gets zapped. He doesn't turn into a pile of ash yet but then what happens is fool killer comes down and confronts him and gives him a little speech kind of explains himself a little bit and then he right. shoots him and it turns him into a pile of ash and then he lights uh the documents that they had on the fool, fool killer yeah uh that that like as like evidence on his kind of like backstory or who he was and he mm. burns the paper and he drops it on the pile of ash right and the pile of ash kind of catches on fire too, which I thought it was like kind of dark, surprisingly dark for uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Sure. Like I, not 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 in a crazy way, but I was within the first page. Somebody gets zapped and turned into ash. Right. It's almost like he's kind of a funny version of the Punisher, but he is yeah, wild. almost. Like he just, murder two people in the first two pages right he he does kind of feel like a uh satire on the punisher right for sure right now this is kind of interesting because now we cut back to peter parker at empire state university and we um join him uh, you know teeing his class and then we're reintroduced to the character greg greg salinger who as we remember was introduced in the issue of peter parker which was my first spider-man comic right peter parker 58 so greg salinger is one of his students they start chatting it up again blah 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 and um and then basically he goes off peter goes you know outside it's nighttime and he sees some dude climbing up climbing up a window and so he's going to go and investigate right and then when he when he ends up you know, trying to figure out what's going on, he kind of bursts through the window, and Fool Killer has confronted this guy, and he's about to kill him. Right. right. So this is his professor, correct? The. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's somebody in administration because he's trying to figure out the scholarship thing. Right. So I don't know if this is a professor. I think it's just somebody like higher up in uh, at the school. Right. Okay. But. So yeah. So there's a little bit of fisticuffs here. There's actually a really good shot of Spider-Man on digital page nine when the, yeah. the debris yeah the debris is falling him. It's like that is a perfect. It looks like something he's, John would be the senior would draw. It's yeah, perfect. and okay. he's like doing like a a spring flip too in like the right. next one. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. And yeah. then even the the last panel on that page where he's on the like yeah. leaning in the in the rubble and the the sprinklers uh, are excellent. going off in the in the building and he's kind of getting drenched and that administrator is kind of. <laughs> yelling at him it's it's a really right. good panel yeah it's fun and, and you know he, the thing is is sorry go ahead uh, spider-man saved his life and he's still uh-huh. like yelling at him for ruining all the paperwork right right so typical parker luck right yeah now what i love about this is that i mean i do like 
the way some artists use Spider-Man's eyes to show emotion and stuff like that. Yeah. I got to say, I prefer, to be honest, the way that John Romita Sr. established Spider-Man, which is just, there's a very precise proportion of black and white in the eyes. There's a a very precise curvature of where the white is and where the black is. And John Romita Jr. gets it exactly right. Probably because he's the son of John Romita Sr. Probably, yeah. Yeah, but it's just excellent here. And it also seems like at this time, too, they were trying to stay on model for a lot of the characters um, throughout. Because even jumping from amazing to Marvel team up to spectacular, even though there's different Uh artists and you get different like flavors and feels, uh, the characters still, for the most part, uh, look very similar. And and, and they feel like they're the same, uh, almost like the same artist every time. So I yeah, feel like de- they well, must have had. Cl- it was probably uh, planned, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As they went on in the '90s, that definitely that loosened up a lot. When you had like McFarlane doing one right. version, and then Sal Buscema, and then later and other people, yeah, I, it was completely different. Personally, I don't mind because as long as the characters' like personality stays consistent, I don't yeah. mind seeing a little bit of like flavor and and uh, how different. Uh, artist interpret the character and, and kind of adding their right. own flair to it. So I, I kind of like that. But it also is nice to have the continuity and it definitely feels more connected this way. Sure. So yeah, I think that there's definitely pros and cons for each. Yeah, I mean, it's something to be said for like, it's like when you read an Archie comic, you want them all to kind of look the same, right? Right, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Yeah, so anyway. So anyway, so then Spidey starts, he's trying to track down the Fool Killer, but Fool Killer ends up getting away in uh, the subway and then makes his way to a truck. And of, of course he, yeah, of course he's got like a secret, uh, uh, <laughs> like facility hideout, or like a, yeah. a hideout, yeah. It, it's ridiculous, but it's so cool, right? Right. Like super high tech thing inside the uh, the trailer, this truck trailer it's truck what is this called the transport truck yeah right it looks like a uh uh alpha one or not uh, what's it called uh uh oh of course i can't remember now it's from what uh from transformers oh the, optimus prime? Confu- no optimus like their computer oh, you mean on the teletran arc. one teletran one teletran one yeah yes i know this because uh, that's what my personal desktop computer is called teletrain one you know when i was living out in halifax that was my uh my uh router's name was teletrain really (laughs) yeah nice nice yeah very cool very cool anyway um okay so yeah so then you know then we get a little bit of backstory from fool killer he he kind of references um some of the characters we've seen in other steve gerber stories like man thing and uh is that uh richard rory i guess he's just a supporting oh no no uh wait so wait, I think one of these is the original Fool Killer, but I think he references him later. I don't think that's him. But anyway, um, flashback to him in jail, you know, referencing Omega, which is a Steve Gerber book, Defenders, mm-hmm. which Gerber wrote, Defenders again with Valkyrie, blah, blah, blah. A lot of backstory, which is cool. I don't mind. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a trope of the day just to kind of figure out where this character is coming from. So that's kind of cool. Right. And then basically we rejoin um, Peter Parker back at the Daily Bugle, right? Doing his thing with Joe Robertson and um, J. Jonah Jameson. Right. And uh, I don't even remember what the uh, what's J. Jonah's problem this time. Is it? Uh, oh, it's uh, because it, they're kind of talk about him behind his back. And, yeah. 
Nothing yeah. big. Nothing. Nothing specific to the story here, but it's just kind of get that in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it. It's somewhat connected, but right. Yeah. It's. It's. It doesn't play a big role in the story. No. So then we cut. Then we. Uh, so then we um, cut back to Peter, and um, he's in his apartment. Or, or no, he's in Empire State University. Now this is where it gets kind of funky, is because he opens up the door and he sees Greg Salinger, and his spider sense goes off. And right. And when Greg Salinger looks at him his spider sense stops tingling then when he walks away it starts to tingle again so at this point in the story did you start to get suspicious about greg salinger yeah a little bit <laughs> okay okay because it's funny because i don't even know if i've ever read this issue i do own it but i don't remember reading it but it's just cool to see how everything connects together again because i'm reading it all at once for the first time you know right so obviously you know we don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it but there's going to be a big revelation coming soon but we won't talk about it just yet yeah I kind of uh, put the two and two together when he was in the hideout because there's a lot of shots with him without his hat on and he has that same sure. yellow like curly hair. Right. So then when like almost like, a, you know, a couple pages later, he his spider sense goes off. I was like, OK, yeah, it's definitely him. Yes. Yes, folks. For those of you who don't know, Greg Salinger is the fool killer, which I didn't know. And it's so weird because after all these years, again, I, that was my first Spidey comic was Peter Parker 58. I had no idea that he ended up being the Fool Killer. But anyway. Right. So then Fool Killer returns and he's there to kill more fools. Actually, has he explained, <laughs> yeah, has he explained why he kills the fools yet? I, I, think, it, I think it was uh, during his, uh, uh, like, backstory when he's in his right. transport truck. Yeah. Yeah, he's. Um, I think even story- maybe before when he he probably monologued to Spider Man about it too. I think earlier. Well, he on page um digital page what is this uh, thirteen? He says, but now I have the answer. Just as poetry is the highest form of self expression, so must be my ability to perceive fools. I need merely <laughs> wait for the fools to meddle with my life. By their very nature, they will seek me out so I can end their useless lives. Ha <laughs> ha, it's so simple. It's so ridiculous. It's like, yeah. eh, anybody who makes me mad, I'm going to kill them off. And to justify that, I'm going to just call them a fool, I guess. Uh, it's funny because I think this is actually a uh, precursor to cancel culture, right? The type of people that <laughs> yeah, we cancel now so. are the type of people that he would just kill because they're right. fools. Maybe that's maybe that could they could update his origin and redo him nowadays. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, so he's reencountered uh, Fool Killer because Fool Killer has come to kill more fools, right? Right. But so far he hasn't. So Spidey intervenes and stops him from killing anyone. Then Fool Killer runs away and Spidey comes after him and then he breaks into his headquarters and he's chasing him down the street. And then um, Fool Killer is about to kill a, a homeless woman, but he doesn't because she says. Um, anybody who'd go gunning for him would have to be a fool. And then he says, right. hey, you, you're right. So he puts the gun to his head. So he's, he's about to kill himself. He's like, don't do this to me. You must let me kill myself. Right. I'm a fool. But Spider-Man stops him. He webs him up, right? And then, well, I mean, I know it's only been one issue since Denny O'Neill's gone, but we get an that... almost Denny O'Neill-esque ending. Oh, where, my goodness. Yeah, it, it kind of it... just wraps up in four panels and it's done yeah it it really does like he he webs him up and you know the the comic ends on the same page yeah it's Um, it's crazy how fast this i was surprised like when i flipped to the last page i was like no you're kidding like (laughs) it's almost like the kirk the captain kirk logic where you know you outsmart the computer 
you know, by convincing it that it itself is, you know, exactly the type of enemy that it's seeking out or right. like, you know, uh, whatever. It's fine. I, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm a little disappointed and I'm also disappointed because it's only Roger Stern's second issue of Amazing and already it's kind of a, a flop issue. It's not that great. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that there's some really great art and there's some fun ideas, but mm-hmm. uh, I think overall it doesn't really work for me. Right, right. Didn't have a lot of fun. I mean, I don't even think there were really any like action moments or like like cool tidbits that jumped out at me that, you know, were in kind of a sucky story but elevated right. a little bit. Um like earlier or later on I'm I'm sure we'll talk about it with uh uh Peter Parker, but he's fighting Molten Man and he webs his fists up so he can actually punch him. Sure, sure. So yeah. you know, he, there's like little tidbits like that. I didn't right. even really find thrown in that I kind of latched onto. I thought it was just a pretty like mundane kind of boring issue. Right. You're totally right. And unfortunately it kind of gets worse from here in my opinion. Oh, but uh, next up <laughs> is we have Marvel team up number 114. Um, would right. you like to talk about this one? Yeah, sure. Let me just switch over to that one. Sure. Um. Yeah. So we have Spider-Man kind of teaming up with Falcon, but also kind of reluctantly teaming up with Falcon, I'd say. Right, right. Uh, and he runs into these, like, group of teens or kids <laughs> yeah. uh, called the Watchers. And they're kind of like this vigilante group of people that go and fight crime. And it ends up being a front for this guy who's in the mafia or pretty much a mob boss. Uh, and he, when he, once he got out of jail, he created this group to, uh, to not raise suspicion so he can do crime and have some of the watchers go out and do this crime. And, uh, the Falcon is connected too, because he's helping some of these kids, uh, Mm -hmm. in the watchers program. So he's kind of reluctant to even have Spider-Man come and help. Uh, at the end of the day, it pretty much just ends up being a fist fight once they both find out what's going on and it ends. Like, <laughs> that that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's obvious that uh, the writer J.M. Demetrius is trying to inject some social commentary, right, with um, oh. uh, Falcon commenting that, you know, Spider-Man doesn't belong in this end of town. I think he said something to that effect, right? And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I got to say, I, I think as it stands right now, my feeling is that I don't think J.M. Dimitrius and Herb Trimpey are really working on Marvel Team Up. Like, I know that they're both good in their own right, but for some reason, they're just not clicking. Yeah. What do you think? No, I, I agree. Um, I, I feel like Spider-Man maybe had a little bit more uh, connection in this story. Right. I feel like Falcon maybe is kind of the one that comes in last minute. Mm-hmm. Which is good because he he has a reason for being there. Like he's tied in with the Watcher, so I think that sure. uh, this felt more like a Spider-Man story than probably any of the other ones. But it might have been one of the weaker stories itself, right? So it ended up not working. Um, I also like. I don't know about you, but there were also mm-hmm. moments where some of the black characters were written. Oh yeah, kind terribly. of stereo. Yeah, like of they're, they're really bad stereotypes, um, especially coming from like a white dude writing it. 
Sure. Um, so if that all, I think that also maybe was a reason why I was kind of like, oh boy, let's just get this issue over with. Right. And kind of rushing through it. Cause at times it, it was fine. Like I could kind of get past it. And then others, like, I think at one point Falcon turns to Spider-Man and calls him a honky. Yeah. I Like it's. I, I, uh, or it, something to that effect. I don't remember. Yeah, I wish I would have written that down because I don't know what page it was on, but it was something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Like Falcon also says lines like, you may not be black, but you sure are jive. Yeah, yeah. What the hell does I that even like, mean? like, are you kidding? Uh, uh, it's just, yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> it feels so like, it's it's not genuine. It, it doesn't feel no. right. And I think it is because... Uh, it's not written by a person of color. Right, right. Um, I think that's, for me, one of the reasons why Miss Marvel uh, is so well done. It's because she's a Muslim character written by a Muslim woman. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. So, it, like, I mean, there's definitely times where you can tell that it's an adult writing a kid, mm-hmm. just like with yeah. probably any other comic, but... Uh, the her like background and when she's talking to her family feels very uh authentic and real and right. a lot of that dialogue really works for me where this uh like it's very uncomfortable and like glaring that it's it's not written by a person of color or anybody who understands that kind of culture right. and it's kind of these characters are kind of narrowed down to a stereotype rather than being characters so right and like that kind of sucked for thing. me but and that's the thing is like the the amazing Spider-Man issue this week is just, you know, a typical superhero story with a little bit of satire in there. But this is definitely trying to, like I said, co- like be social commentary, but it doesn't really succeed, does it? No, no, not at all. Trying way too hard. Um, one thing I do have to say, the cover is not great, but it, it is by Mike Zeck. So it's at least decent. What do you think of the cover? Uh, Yeah, it's got some weird like... Uh, like spacing like it, it's it's laid out really weird the uh perspective is completely off for me well like, something's wrong with spider-man's legs it almost looks like maybe it was redrawn or something right later. and like he's on the ground i think no i think spider-man or is this supposed to be like on, on the, the wall, wall? yeah okay he's on the wall. and like falcon's flying Falcon is, oh, okay right so they're so weird. they're like the the camera is like pointed up Right through uh, the yeah, through the, the, the crowd. Okay. Right. I guess that makes a little bit more sense. For some reason, my mind was looking at it like he was on the ground and Falcon was like flying up, and they were uh, like floating okay. on this like weird thing. So it looked weird, sure. but uh, yeah, it's it's not great, but it's not. Uh, I don't know. The, I st- yeah. I think still the perspective is weird. Like Falcon, the Falcon's legs are like really small and in the distance, uh-huh. but they look like they should be about on the same level as Spider-Man's because yeah. like they're like right next to each other. And Spider-Man's legs do not look right at all. No. They look like they've been redrawn by another artist. Yeah, for sure. I don't know sure. if they actually were, but yeah, something's not right here. And Mike Zeck is a really good artist. So yeah, something is amiss with this cover. That's for sure. Yeah. 
So overall, again, I don't really recommend it. Like, I certainly don't think I'll ever re- reread this one again. What do you mm, think? No, I don't think so. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. So another dud, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay. So that brings us to spectac- Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 63. And I was really excited about this issue because it features the return of Harry Osborn and Liz Allen, who apparently haven't been seen in like several years. Right. Like at least two years, I think. And and yeah, I think it's the same amount of time for Spider-Man as it is for us, right? As the, as the readers, because he's definitely commented that he doesn't even know if Harry Osborn has the same phone number anymore. It's been that right, long, right? right? So uh, yeah, it was kind of cool catching up with them. They're married now, mm-hmm. which is cool. I'm uh, yeah, we get Molten Man in this one, and it's such a weird story. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, I, think it, I think it starts out good and then tapers off. Right. Like, it, it's kind of this mystery. Like, oh, is Molten Man back? Like, what's going on? And Peter Parker is, like, kind of doing some investigative journalism and uh, calling up people and trying to, you know, figure out where this guy could be. And he shows right. up at uh, Harry and Liz's house. And because they're brothers or they're cousins... No, they're, they're uh, stepbrother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Molten Man is Liz's stepbrother. So he's hiding out there. And when Spider Man shows up to ask questions, Molten Man sees him and it causes this big fight. And they push him into a pool, I think, to defeat him. And that's the end of the, the, the story. Yeah. Like it's, it's really kind of a... just dies down at the end. Like, right. It, I don't know. It's definitely not a great story. Um, like basically if you break it down, um, I just want to, I'm trying to figure out here. So yeah, he see, he, he finds Molten Man on page 12 and then it's literally 10 pages of fighting. Right. Yeah. It's just fighting, fighting, fighting. So it, it was a cool buildup, but I think they needed like an act two. Like if it would have been maybe give us five pages of story where there's a little bit of suspense, like maybe yeah. Molten Man's hiding and it's one of those things where, oh, I'm going to invite myself in for dinner. Oh, well, <laughs> we weren't expecting anyone and have a little bit of Peter Parker kind of sneaking around trying to figure out what's going on. But instead you just jump right in. Right. And then you just start this big fight scene that lasts forever. And it's kind of dull. Right. Or, or like, yeah, there, there had to have been something to kind of break it up. Um, like maybe have it look like he's going to surrender and they talk it out, but multi man ends up like double crossing him. Right. Or something like right. maybe maybe he knows that Harry and Spider-Man know each other. So he he's pretending like he's going to like, uh, you know, reconcile with Liz. But really, he's going there to get information from Harry mm-hmm. or to lure Spider-Man in or something like. I don't know. I, I there, there was there definitely needed to be something. But right. Right. Yeah. Kind of another rushed out story. Um, yeah. We should. We should comment. It's written by series regular writer um, Bill Mantlo, who started last month as the regular writer again. Right. And then it's drawn again by Greg LaRock and inked by Jim Mooney. So Jim Mooney's still he's still around. Right. So that's good. The art. So Greg LaRock, as far as I know, the only other book he did was Legion of Superheroes. And I've always thought <sighs> he's a good artist, but in this issue, it's there's some kind of really plain. bad stuff too. Yeah. Like there, there's a couple of shots of Spider-Man at the beginning where. His head doesn't look like it's attached properly to his body. Yeah, like yeah, like page four, digital four. You're right. Like his, it, that 
second row. That head is not attached. What? Yeah, what's going on there? Like, it, I don't know. It, it, his head is like facing a completely different way of his body. Right. It's it, it's very wrong. You know, it it looks like uh, they took his head from the last panel there and they just shoved it on. Right. The other one, well, like I mean, they're, they're facing the exact same way. Like it looks the exact same. Yeah. Well, you know what? I know that you know. At least in these days, art corrections were a common thing. Like you'd have, you'd have like guys in the office like fixing art mistakes and like adjusting things like that. So maybe that's what that was. Was they literally, and I don't want to keep using the word literally, but they copied or cut out and photocopied the head from the last panel, like you said, right? And just pasted it onto the one above it. You're probably right. You know? Yeah. Yikes. And but it's not even like, yeah, it's not even shaped properly. Like no, right at all. But anyway, I mean, even on, like on page seven to uh, original, so digital eight, uh, okay. Spider-Man is swinging in the second panel and his leg is like <laughs> yeah. bent and broken in the wrong spot. Yeah, it's great. yeah, it's not good. And then look at the next page. He's the freaking hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, right? but yeah, then the- then you look at like the same page I was talking about, digital eight, like the yeah. the last row the first panel on the last row that's right. a really good uh picture like that that's a yeah, good, great those drawing are, those are both fine yeah. um so it's just weird that I, I some really work and then some feel very rushed well yeah um, and, and the other issue i have is that there's a lot of really plain doll layouts yeah like especially when he gets to the house and on digital page 13 which is original um 12, 12. You, you see when he bursts through the door and then like he jumps through the living room it's just a really pedestrian yeah. layout you know the, the their house is empty yeah yeah <laughs> like, you're totally right yeah there's there's a couch there's and then like 20 feet away i know is, yeah is you're a right small you're right little tv like so far away right it's funny because a lot of artists are like that they can draw action but they can't just draw regular everyday things and right that that's exactly what's going on here it's like greg larock just I mean, I'm sure he can, but he just didn't do it in this issue. It yeah. just looks like, yeah, a big empty living room. You're right. It's just not very well done. I yeah. Don't know. Um, but I will say for some, like for the this issue's downfalls, there mm. are still some creative stuff. Like I mentioned before, uh, Peter Parker really can't get any punches in because he's this literal like fire person. Like right. he has this molten lava uh, mutant. So he mm. webs up his fists and makes himself like makes himself uh boxing gloves right uh which is really fun and then uh they later on they're using like the hose in the pool to kind of uh pull him off fight him off and then later on like the the like even after that some of the neighbors start coming in and spraying their all their hoses at him and then like hitting Uh him with shovels to try to like pat down the flames Mm -hmm. so i think that there's still some uh, pretty clever stuff, like interesting ways to kind of deal with this character. And uh, so it, instead of just having Peter Parker web him up or punch him again, it's right, right, different. Uh, it's also kind of tragic that uh, Harry and Liz's house burns down. Yes. I mean, they didn't have anything inside of it, but it burns. It burned down. That's sad. Sure. <laughs> well, also, it, it's always good to me when you incorporate the supporting cast. Like, yeah, I really, and we didn't even mention the fact that Flash Thompson, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Mention that because 
for people that don't know, Flash Thompson was the one that bullied Peter Parker in the old Spider-Man comics in the 60s. And then I kind of didn't realize this when I was younger, but over time, he, they became friends. Right. And now they were like best friends. And now he's kind of lost touch with them. But Flash Thompson comes back again in the late 80s. And then he's there in the 90s. I think he's still around. You know, yeah, I think now character. he's uh, he's a Venom too, right? Oh, right. He became Venom. That's right. He's yeah. Agent Venom, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I always like that. So that's definitely a plus for this story that they yeah. bring in the supporting cast. It was also nice too. Uh, at the end, after the fire, uh, like after the house burns down, the all the neighbors kind of come together and uh, say that they're going to support them and help them rebuild right. the house. So it's it's kind of a nice touching moment uh, right. that you normally don't get in these issues because normally sure. they just end. <laughs> right, uh, right. Right. This one does have a little, maybe a little bit of an abrupt ending, but it's not. I think that this kind of like like one panel moment cushions that blow of it being a yeah. quick ending and then we you have say spider-man yeah. kind of with you know we're left with spider-man and his thoughts and as he kind of walks back to new york so yeah so yeah basically we have three issues of spider-man this week that are none are great no and none have weakness like i i don't even know what my favorite one is this this week What's yeah i don't know that's that that's a really good question I, uh-huh. Uh, it might might be spectacular, but not really by much, you know. No, yeah. Um, so I think that amazing was pretty boring, but the yeah. art I think is my favorite in that one. Yeah, I will I'll agree with that for sure. So I think that uh, they each had some strong points and then some weaker points. So, well, you know what? I think next week is going to really pick up. Um, we've got I a guest so. joining us, uh, an old friend of mine named V, and he's going to guest on our show, help us review some Spidey comics. Okay, awesome. And we've got a big one next week because Amazing Spider-Man 226 reintroduces the Black Cat, who right. we have not seen since we started this show, right? Yeah. I don't think so. I yeah. Don't, yeah, I don't think uh, we have. No, and then Marvel team up number 115. Uh, Spidey teams up with Thor, so that'll be fun. And then Spectacular Spider-Man features the very first appearance of Cloak and Dagger. Oh, that's so exciting. That'll yeah, be really that fun great? to see that. Yeah. 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 All right. So, yeah, you can take it from here, Josh. Sure. Uh, if you guys want to check us out on Spotify or iTunes, I believe that we're on Apple Podcast now. Yeah, under Comic Book Syndicate. So make sure to look for Comic Book Syndicate, not Flea, Mar- not Flea Market Fantasy, or Here Comes the Spider-Cast. Right. And you can also find us at uh, the Comic Book Syndicate on Facebook and at Comic Syndicate on Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys think about the comics that we're talking about. And uh, uh, we also want to hear what you think about the podcast. So give give us a shout out there and let us know what you think about us. So until next Monday's very excellent special episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast, this has been Mike L. and Joshua Mervell. See you next time. All right, see ya. Bye.